What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, gentle listener, to a presentation of the Steel Plaza podcast known as Andy's Philosophy Corner. I am the Chief Philosophical Officer, Andy, and today on Andy's Philosophy Corner uh, episode 26, we will be discussing the commensurability of religion, that being how most religions at their core have much more in common than they do different. And this is worth discussing because we spend so much time on discussing what divides us. And so I think it's very much worth discussing what is common among different religions. Uh, And joining me... Today is our religious correspondent, Rayanne. Hello, Rayanne. Hi, Andy. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we're delighted to have you. And we've had many informal discussions uh, uh, in the past. And uh, just to sort of kick things off with this theme about religion and what religions have in common, I would like to share a quote or a sentiment that uh, I picked up in my studies, and it goes like this. There are many paths up the mountain, but the view from the top is all the same. So, uh, Rayanne, again, thank you for being here. And just right off the bat, did you want to uh, 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 bounce off of that sentiment or the analogy of a Different religions, yeah. I wanted to first start off with, actually, in Latin, the word religion means to tie or bond together. Mm, Okay. And that's that's Latin. So if you look at religion, whether you're dealing with community, if you're going there for community or, you know, anything else, I think it's important that came from a Latin word. Sure, we use uh, words all the time, and sometimes we don't know exactly where they came from. And I think it's very, very instructive to know what the origin of the words are that we use, to know what the word and the concept meant to people long, long ago. But you also mentioned there are many paths up the mountain, but the view is just the same. And I think I remember a story uh, that says that there's a man carrying this huge, huge boulder. He's rolling it up the mountain, and everybody on the bottom of the mountain is looking at him and saying, oh, my gosh, what a tough life. That's terrible. He just does that day after day after day. That's such a punishment. But meanwhile, he's loving the view. He loves the view, and mm. 
he doesn't see it as work. He sees it as something differently than the other people did. So what some people thought was him suffering was actually him finding joy and seeing different things that they weren't willing to see. I just thought that was it kind of tied in a little bit. Sure, sure. Perspective certainly matters uh, mm-hmm. when it comes like that. You might think someone is suffering when really they aren't or vice versa. You might yeah. think somebody is doing absolutely great yeah. when, in fact, they are suffering um, at their fate. So I think perspective is important. And I also think it's important not to assume things about uh other people around us, you know, like you said, we're all pretty much, I mean, we're all people, we're all here and we know, even if you don't believe in religion or, you know, you don't have, you know, you're, you're, you know, not thinking of a higher power or whatever, you can still maintain the concept that, we can't go around murdering people, stealing, lying. It makes our lives terrible. So at the core, you know, we know innately that those things we can't do, you know, and how people have described them over the years. And you have to remember, too, you know, when people started, there weren't telephones, People mm-hmm. had whoever they looked to as their higher power, whether it be God, Yahweh, Allah, you know, <laughs> deities, whatever it is, that's what they had. They couldn't, they didn't communicate like we do now. So I think the foundations are very similar. Well, sure. Uh, speaking of, I was about to say Western religion, but really, uh, Christianity, uh, Judaism, and Islam all are all Abrahamic religions. They all yes, they are. All three of them are right. They all have a common origin. Um, all three believe in uh, Abraham and those that came before him. And uh, I think I think it's inherent in human nature that you probably shouldn't kill people and you probably shouldn't steal and you probably shouldn't lie. And Moses just really went through the trouble of formalizing it just so uh, there wasn't any doubt about, hey, uh, (laughs) these are all bad things. Don't do these. They all have bad outcomes, you know. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's. They all have bad outcomes, and how you organize that in your head might be different from one person to another. And you know what name we put on it. It, it it's it's very similar, you know. Even though maybe the name put on it is different. Sure, and all religions certainly um, every year mark important holidays, and yes. those those days are, are are usually very different. Um, but there's there's other things that you might think would divide us, but really uh, something as simple as religious headwear. Different religions have different requirements, you know. It's true. Uh, if it's wearing uh, a yarmulke, if it's wearing, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the other examples aren't, are, are, 
aren't coming to mind immediately. But even simple things like uh, men don't wear hats in church, but women, but women can't. can't. Right, right. So whereas a zealot for one religion or one sect might see someone that has different customs – Really, at the core of it all, I think it's about loving your fellow human being and trying to be a good person. And if you're lucky to connect with something divine, I think that's I think that's common of all religions. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's common among all people. I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody, of course, but I think that's something common. You know, we I think we we have talked about this before, like. You know, we want to know what happens to us after death. We want to know the meaning of our lives here. And how we go about doing that might be different from person to person, but we all have that same question. Sure. I think people absolutely well, want to know the unknown. Now, I, I would also posit that some things are just unknowable. Uh, but I, uh, I found a pretty good quote from, uh, author Ray Bradbury, uh, which okay. goes like this. At the center of religion is love. I love you and I forgive you. I am like you and you are like me. I love all people. I love the world. I love creating. Everything in our life should be based on love. Which I think, uh, fits in. Yeah, yeah. Fits in perfectly with the idea that, hey, how about if we were just nice to each other for a change, you know? <laughs> Everything would be so much better. And I have, I have another one, uh, another quote. This is actually from a book, uh, I've, I've been reading. I think this is Mitch Album. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm pretty, almost 100% sure on that, but it's a, it, like, one of his lines and his or paragraphs in his book says, our lives connect like threads on a loom, interwoven in ways we never realize. Mm. Realize who else, we, who else punishes us as we are actually punishing ourselves. The heart we were born with, it's small and it's empty because it's been through nothing. Taking that heart in life is the heart we die with. After people we love, after all our losses, our heart is bigger. It makes us whole. Wow, yeah. Uh, I uh, I really appreciate that quote that and the idea that really all people and all life are in uh, some way connected. The philosopher Spinoza uh, really... Uh, spoke uh, had an ideology that was sort of uh, maybe on the edge, but his idea was that uh, uh, God is, as an idea, is really much more like nature and life and maybe even physics itself. You know, these right. are things which are absolute. And I've always loved the idea that we are all connected and for one person to attack another person like of a religion is something like your right hand attacking your left hand. I believe that. Yes. Right. Why would you, why would you do something like that? 
Uh, I also wanted to uh, point out or observe that even in the uh, Eastern philosophies and religions, there is uh, uh, so much of that. And I say philosophy and religion because, uh, for example, Taoism, there is no deity. It's not exactly uh, a religion. It really is not. Uh, Buddhism, even though Buddha is held up as an example, Buddha is not necessarily. He doesn't uh, confirm himself as as God or, you know, let's say a supreme being. He He's as himself to carry on a message. Right. And sure, in in different parts of the world, obviously, people are going to develop different ideas and ways to get along with each other and also ways to deal with the unknown. You know, where did we come from? Where are we going? And uh, what happens when we stop converting oxygen into carbon dioxide? You know, is there a heaven or hell? And I know I've... I've, uh, in some of the more uh, ancient stories that I've come across, you know, the attitudes of ancient people was rather accepting, you know, and if if they felt like they uh, perhaps their time had come, perhaps they were not long for this world, they would simply say, well, I will I will meet my forefathers on the shores of the afterworld, you know, and they didn't have a lot of anxiety about it. And I appreciated that. And I um, I think as much as we all may want to know or have anxiety about knowing certain things, we uh, we simply cannot. And that's where I think a lot of the Eastern mysticism comes in for me that uh first of all, says that, yes, we are all connected. We are all part of the same thing. And in some, even if you look at DNA, what's the... Uh, we're all the same organism, to be honest. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. we're all made up of carbon. You know, there's there's that. I mean, that's going a little bit too scientific. But, you know, I think you had coined the phrase, the praise of the mystical, Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We uh, uh, discussion we had had. Uh, I had been sort of taking on uh, the challenge that Immanuel Kant had laid out um, part of it in his critique of pure reason. And for for listeners of this program or followers of philosophy, Immanuel Kant really had sort of a dark view. Yeah of uh, just how limited we were and how futile, almost, he seemed to put it, our our quest for understanding. And I don't want to get too far away from the commensurability of it, but I think Kant was really too dismissive of things which are beyond logic, which absolutely so many things are beyond our our ability to understand, beyond our ability to reason. And in some sense, I think Kant undermined his own argument that, well, yeah, sure, maybe our, our reasoning and our intellect, our knowledge are all very limited, but that's not a reason to give up or anything. Maybe that's a reason. I believe he said that uh, pure reason was dismal. <laughs> well, 
Okay, so agreeing with him there, you know, let's let's look at the other side of that coin. Let's look at, well, how about the things we can't understand? I don't understand why hearing music or um, sometimes even just thinking about music makes the hairs of my arms stand up. Well, you actually told me that you said music is mystical. Oh, yeah. um, I had a a very good teacher, and he had his own instruction book, and the first uh, words in it were, music is a mystical art form. And I think we need to embrace religion in a similar way, that it's not something that you can ration out. It's not something that you can really reason. And in fact, the whole idea of faith, well, if you could prove this or that about religion or about God, if you could prove it with your logical mind, we would have no place for faith. What would be the point of it? There would be no faith. Right, right. So um, I have another pretty interesting quote here. Oh, I'd like to hear it. Uh, comes to us from Edmund Burke. Uh, Edmund Burke uh, writes, The body of all true religion consists, to be sure, in obedience to the will of the sovereign of the world, in a confidence in his declarations, and in imitation of his perfections. So I think those are I think all of those thoughts are, are pretty universal when it comes to uh, major religions, you know, uh, trying to understand what uh, the driving force of, of life and the driving force of divinity is, um, trying to understand as best you can, while at the same time realizing that you will never have a perfect understanding, and to a degree you must act on faith. You, uh, I, I mean, I believe in uh, the fact that all of us are, uh, in a sense, uh, uh, have, a, have a touch of divinity, or that is part of our origin, and uh, hopefully our destiny, that uh, things we can't ever possibly hope to understand in a way puts us all in the same boat. Uh, there's another popular uh, or saying I picked up. It, it goes like this. Uh, believe people who seek the truth and uh, doubt those who claim to have found it. I've heard that before, and that's yeah. definitely true. There is no lying without knowing that there's truth. Hmm. I wrote I like it down. That. Sorry, it took me a long time to figure, remember what my brain no. remembered. <laughs> no, that's fine. We're casual here on Andy's Philosophy <laughs> yeah. Corner. We're on our own schedule, and it makes sense to take a moment and and collect our thoughts. And, of course, this, uh, as the listeners can, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, no, this is not anything that is scripted out. We we come to the podcast with thoughts and ideas and hopefully some good references to uh, important quotes and hopefully by recognizable names so that you, gentle listener, can uh, meditate on this sort of thing. And this week, uh, before we head into our first break, uh, I would just like to read off the Merriam-Webster definition of commensurable. 
And that's the word I used early on. Uh, not trying to sound smarter than I am, but uh, it says commensurable is uh, divisible without remainder by a common unit. And again, that's not the best definition, but it basically means that there is an agreement, that there is an agreement. And I believe uh, we probably agree on an awful lot more than then we disagree even though the emphasis is sometimes placed on on how we disagree so with that being said we'd like to uh pause to get a word from our sponsor here on the steel plaza podcast thank you for tuning in and don't go anywhere we will be right back if you like what you hear in shows like this, you can always donate to the program at www.paypal.me forward slash Steel Plaza Podcast. And we're back. Thank you for sticking around. We appreciate your time and your attention. And in such a unusual or interesting time that we live in today, I think we all need to take a break from some of the uh, – disappointing and sad news that uh, can fill a life right now. And it's a good idea to take a step back and listen to a program that just uh, hopefully turns you on to some new ideas and hopefully resonates with you. Today we're talking about the commensurability of different religions. And in the first segment, we already talked about how things like uh, – Love your fellow human being? Probably not a bad idea. I, I, I personally, I personally truly believe that it is bad for an individual in their own heart to hate another individual. I believe it is bad for that person, not just bad for the I believe person. It, I believe it eats your own self up inside. Like, you can look at it as a bully. They say something that you don't like, and you know they're done with that. They're, they've already moved on, but that might resonate in your brain, and you become the bully to yourself. You know, there's that. Well, yeah, you I mean, you a person, people can and, and do poison their own hearts with hatred for other human beings on this planet. And the simple analogy uh, in, in our first block was that it would it's kind of like your right hand getting mad at your left hand and trying to beat it up. It, it, it just it's, you're going to break yourself and you're not going to be whole. Right. So I think I think most good religions realize that. And I'm a big believer that everybody is better off if we are good to each other. Yes. If that makes sense. And uh, that does. And uh, in the Christian Bible, uh, I think I believe it. St. Matthew said, do unto others as you would uh, be done to yourself. That's always written uh, from the words from uh, God in the Christian Bible, but I came across this really, it, it sounds so, it, it, it sounds, I don't know if you guys know about Norman Rockwell. He, oh yeah, famous American painter. Famous. And he actually made a painting called The Golden Rule. And he actually inscribed in the painting, do unto others as you would have done unto you. 
And the more I researched it and I looked at some of his writings because he was actually, he did advertising for uh, Pan, Pan Am Airlines, but he traveled the real world and he went through so many places on earth and he was very inquisitive about that golden role and what it was said in those particular religions. And I have a list of some of them. And I'd like to share them with you to show how much we're the same and not so different. If that'd be okay with you. Ed. Oh, uh, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. It's, uh, I was shocked when I learned that Norman Rockwell, in addition to just being, a uh, one of our great American painters, uh, also devoted himself to, uh, the humanities, you might say. And if you look, if anybody wants to look up that painting, you'll see that there's every walk of life. There's a rabbi that is actually a devout Catholic growing up. Like there's, I mean, he did so much to show that all our differences don't make us really different. We're actually the same. We just have to acknowledge that. And in terms of the golden rule, uh, uh, in Buddhism, they say, hurt not others with what which pains yourself. Absolutely. Of course, Buddha coming from India and uh, which almost is, is exactly like the same exact thought. Uh, Confucius, I believe, said uh, sort of the opposite in the same way, do not. He do said, that, uh, do not, Confucianism, yeah. like what uh, would have said that's similar, uh, is said that is there any one maxim which ought to be acted upon throughout one's whole life? Surely the maxim of loving kindness is such do not unto others what you would not they should do to you. Exactly. That's that's exactly where I was. Uh, I was headed with that. And yeah, you were right on it. <laughs> yeah, and and it makes perfect sense in the fact that these important ideas developed in different parts of the world by different people who never met, who didn't speak the same language, and then over the uh, centuries and, and millennia came into contact with each other, and I think probably most in a sort of, uh, I don't want to say diplomatic, but in a position like that where different cultures collide, uh, how wonderful it must have been for Marco Polo, for example, to go to China and see that, oh, wow, people here are kind of like us. They uh, Most people try to be nice to each other and they try to teach their kids to be good people and I recently was reading through there's sort of a, a a a very short comedic summary of the entire Bible and uh, I can get into that later but uh anyway it reminded me of this of a story from the Bible which resonated with me as a child that uh when Jesus has the story of the good Samaritan mm-hmm. uh a traveler had been uh, robbed and beaten up and he's lying broken and bloodied at the side of the road and then uh, someone from his own uh, 
church or, or, or following uh, was walking toward him, and he thought, oh, good, someone's going to help me out. Guy just kept on trucking. Hmm. And he's like, oh, that was awful. And then and then he saw the priest from his, uh, his church or his following, and he said, oh, well, here, this guy certainly is going to help me out, you know, and that didn't happen. Then uh, some other guy who was not a part of any religion came along and uh, – he helped the guy up and, you know, he took him home and he nursed his wounds and uh, sort of got him back to health, you know, and um, perhaps uh, delving even more broadly than just religion in, in human nature. You know, some people are going to be good people regardless of their religion, you know, will um, have compassion for your fellow human being and help somebody when you don't have because- to. That's, that goes along with the golden rule. You know, if you were fallen and broken, you'd want that same thing to be done to you. You'd want someone to help yes. you up. You know, yes. and so, so many times in our life, you know, we fall down. But, you know, we learn from it. But we don't want to hurt another human being or, you know, anybody uh because there's something innate in us that wants to make sure, you know, just in case this happens to me, I'd like someone else to help me out, too. You know, if I was in the situation, so in regardless of what you believe, in my brain, it's like help this person out, not, not just not for a selfish reason, but because they need it. Yeah, just to uh, now. I've I've actually wrestled with this a little bit myself um, in the sense that uh, you know I the the cynical part of me thinks that well let me put it this way like you walk into a, I don't know if it's Walmart or Target or what whatever uh, I forget which it was but I remember seeing on the wall in like letters and numbers that were three or four or five feet tall, exactly how much money they had raised for a certain charity. Now, it seems to me that the truest motivation would not be to perform charity in order to... Gain uh, recognition? Yeah, for your own sake. You know, uh, it seems to me that that's the way. And, geez, I'm reminded of a movie I saw many, many years ago, and it basically said that, uh, you know, the best form of uh, charity and compassion is something you do and maybe you never, ever tell anyone else about it. Exactly. That's that's the true that's the true spirit of why people ought to help each other. Certainly not for personal recognition, because then your motivation would be selfish. I read an article actually today. It was about Keanu Reeves. Okay. It was about how charitable he was because he had gone through so many tragedies and deaths, children, like in his life, like so many, one thing after another, I mean, he was, his life was filled with tragedy and he's worth like almost like $400 million. And he just gives, and he doesn't tell anybody. He just gives it away. Like he gave his set crew motorcycles and like, you know, people like 
that were down on their luck, you know, thousands of dollars just because he felt, not that he felt guilty. I mean, I can't tell you what someone else feels, but he did it. And he wasn't, he wasn't like a Kardashian on the TV saying that, oh, I did this, I did that, I'm giving to this. You know, no one knew, I didn't even know he did this until I read this article. And it was, it was written by one of, a, a good friend of his to say thank you for what you've done all these years. And no one knows about it, but like he didn't do it himself. So he wasn't boasting about it. Right. It was his friend saying, you know, he's a really good man. And did you know that about him? I mean, do we I, really know anybody? Really? Well, I I had heard uh, uh, similar things, and uh, I, I've i been impressed with uh, uh, some of the things I've learned about his private life. He doesn't own a huge mansion, I don't think. I think, yeah, it's like a pretty average house, you know, now. I mean, in L.A., an average house is like a million dollars. But right. <laughs> uh, well, depending on what part of town you're in. He bought he bought his family, everybody a house before he bought himself one. <laughs> like, I mean, oh yeah, you know that's. But his friend coming out, maybe he probably he might not have liked that, but it gave it gave me perspective on what charity really means and like you were referring to picking somebody up when they're down you know it it takes a really it it, i think it's harder to step over a dying person or a hurt person and like like soul breaking than it is to help them Mm. because there's something in your soul and that's what most religions have in common. You believe you have a soul, that it goes somewhere, that you're not just this body. Like, it goes somewhere. Uh, I've, I was reminded of uh, a contemporary of Confucius who was also held up very, very, very high regard was Mencius. And he, uh, when, when thinking about human nature, he he declared or decided or, or uh, told people he believed that people are inherently good. And the example he gave was any person, like no matter how evil or dark they were, if they saw, you know, a baby or a toddler um, sort of on the edge of a well and in great danger of falling in, any person would would, would right. go and save that young child uh, just because it, it is the right thing to do. I also have one other thought about the uh, uh, the anonymous charity thing. I, I remember an old episode of the TV show MASH. Uh, the, the younger listeners might not be familiar about it, uh, familiar with it, but uh, uh, MASH was the story of uh, an army hospital in Korea set against the Korean War. Fun fact, the TV show lasted longer than the war itself. <laughs> but, Ellen Alda. <laughs> yes. So uh, there was a Christmas episode, and uh, most or all of the camp are participating in something, and uh, the usual heavy wins. Uh, what was his name? Charles Winchester. He was always the punching bag. He was always the foil of Alan Alda. But on the Christmas episode, 
in a pretty touching moment uh, for a guy that came from money. He he sneaks out of the camp and goes to an orphanage and donates, I don't know, food, clothing, money, whatever. Um, but it was very, very important to him that it was anonymous or else it really, really is kind of not in the true spirit. And um, I think you'll find that in, in, in human nature in general and therefore in, you know, most religions around the world. You know, I mean, you can't have people just going around lying and cheating and killing and stealing, you know. It doesn't make a community work. It doesn't make – nothing will work. There has to be some sort of order and, you know – you know, thinking whether it's spiritual, theological, you're thinking inside because, but obviously you have to go through those things that people that do those things to realize those aren't good. <laughs> those are not going to make our society work. Sure, sure. There's a man, a, a cartoon I saw years and years ago. It was a picture of, uh, uh, I guess, God and St. Peter or maybe a couple angels looking down on the earth, you know, from far away. And you can see uh, large explosions. It's a little one-panel uh, one cartoon. You can see these explosions on the earth, you know, people fighting with each other. And God says, uh, I told them to go forth and multiply. The division and subtraction was their idea. Right. That's actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, especially for for uh, uh, cartoon. <laughs> oh yeah, just the simple uh, verbs we use in mathematics. You know, is it about? Uh, um, uh, I mean, adding to our joy and multiplying, or is it about uh, dividing? Our, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not or about subtracting. The, right. Right. So, uh, and I, and again, I think we find that in common. And I think in a world that some days seems um, impossibly divided, you know, and and it's important to be aware of suffering, I guess. But we can't focus. I mean, I think if you if you want to seek out suffering in this world. You will never run out of new things, but if you want to seek out joy and love in this world, you will also never run out of examples. And I think to a large degree, it's about balancing that. I mean, you can't just walk around saying uh, um, like I'm walking on sunshine and all you need is love. You know, there are uh, there are problems in this world and that we especially those of us who are more fortunate than others uh, in our friends and our family um, in uh, our our ability to uh, live well and uh, free of uh, disease and sickness and illness I think those of us that are uh, capable of doing that really ought to I think you find that in all religions because you know about a about a third of the world, if not more, is either too young or too old or too sick to honestly take care of themselves. That's true. So I I am inspired or feel a sense of responsibility that I'm one of the ones that's supposed to be helping out since I, I know I have it a bit better than many others. What do you think? You know, I... <laughs> I came across this, I can't remember when, but 
it was something I read that said, you know, babies come into the world and they clench their fists because they're trying to grab on to everything they can, trying to learn, grab everything they can. And when a person dies, they die with their hands open. Oh, it, okay. it was it was just interesting. It was very thought provoking. You can take with it what you want, but it was thought provoking, you know, uh, mindset and peace. I think it says about like just growth and peace. And I think even through all religions, beliefs, faiths, uh, it is about, you know, faith. It's about peace maybe letting go and just understanding the life that we're living and how it gets you there and how it can help you be what we know would be good, you know, that helps society. Like we went through like, you know, what doesn't help society, but like how we can do that to better our lives. Because if you're going to go out and murder somebody or lie to someone, you're going to feel guilty as anything and that's not going to help your life so I, I think we all have this inherent knowledge that there are certain rules that we have to abide by so we can be happy and make others around us happy yes yes all right well um that's probably uh, a good place for us to put our next commercial break. Uh, thank okay. you, so, thank you so much, listeners, for uh, for devoting some of your your limited time to this podcast, and uh, hopefully, um, we've given you some pause to have thoughts or feelings uh, that might um, help you out in one way or another at some point in your life. So uh, we'll be right back here with Andy's Philosophy Corner on the Steel Plaza Podcast. And welcome back to Andy's Philosophy Corner. This is episode 26, brought to you by all of the staff and crew at the Steel Plaza Podcast. You can find Steel Plaza Podcast on PayPal. Uh, the show is not uh it's not expensive, but it's not free. Uh, your consideration, uh, your support can help keep this podcast going uh, for your listening pleasure for years to come. This week, we are in the third block. Uh, we're discussing religious commensurability with our chief religious correspondent, Ray Ann. And I'm uh, going to kick off this block with uh, a few quotes. Uh, the first one. We can attribute to Albert Einstein, and uh, he was no dummy. Albert Einstein, uh, in response to an atheist, Alfred Kerr, in the winter of 1927, said this. Try and penetrate with our limited means the secrets of nature, and you will find that behind all the discernible concatenations, there remains something subtle intangible and inexplicable veneration for this force beyond anything that we can comprehend is my religion to that extent i am in point of fact religious 
that's a really good quote. I thought it was really good. I mean, it shows the humility that he doesn't know everything, and he almost directly attributes things I don't know, uh, don't understand, can't know, can't understand. Uh, you know, he, he is a man of religion. He is a man of faith. And, of course, those are all um, – Things that any human being, uh, if they're honest with themselves, uh, if they can stand up and say, I don't know everything, um, I, I think it ties into that. Yeah, that's really good quote. Uh, I've never actually heard that one, but, you know, we all think of him as the smartest, you know, most productive scientist, you know, <sighs> everything and just for him to say that he doesn't know and there's power in not knowing well and there's there's power in admitting that you yes don't and know. It, oh yes absolutely and admitting I'm, you don't know uh everything because none of us know everything uh i'm reminded of uh when i was a very young man just out of college and i was in the uh, junior chamber of commerce and one of the uh um sort of senior advisors to the group um it it was uh, uh there was charity work. There was also social activities in the Junior Chamber of Commerce. But we were meeting in a back room of a bar restaurant. And he stood up and uh, at one point he said, anyone here can go into that next room of the bar. And I guarantee you, any one of those people will tell you exactly what's wrong with the world and like Basically, like they have all the answers, you know, they're willing to talk and tell you whatever with uh, so much certainty. And well, the point he was making is that we were actually doing some charity work and some uh, community building, that we were actually doing something. We weren't just sitting at a bar saying, well, I know what that's all about. You don't have to tell me about that. I already know what I need to know about that. I have a follow-up uh, Einstein quote. Uh, he was uh, – there's a book called Einstein, Science and Religion, which um, oh. I, think, I think fits with this, which to the extent that all cultures have science and all uh, cultures have religion, I think this fits with our commensability. And he quotes my guy Spinoza, and I just saw that coming. Anyway, uh, uh, here's the quote. I can understand your aversion to the use of the term religion to describe an emotional and psychological attitude which shows itself most clearly in Spinoza. I have not found a better expression than religious for the trust in the rational nature of reality that is, at least to a certain extent, accessible to human reason. And I thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, I think some people get turned off by very, very exacting and specific uh, aspects of religion and maybe lose the forest for the trees that, okay, uh, what what color yarmulke are you wearing today? Okay, well, let's not 
okay, well, let's not get too awfully worried about that. Or uh, if Catholics and you say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or Protestants, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, you're really splitting hairs at that point, and you've yeah, really it, lost it, you the know, people. It, it's, it's created, you know, religious wars, you know, where they didn't have to be had. There had to be a common ground, <laughs> you know, and there was a common ground. But, you know, I, I this is a, a, a kind of – this is a story. This My father, uh, his – his my grandfather, his father was Protestant, and he married my grandmother. He was Catholic. Well, they they lived on an all Protestant street, and they decided to raise their children as Catholic. Well, my dad got beat up every day because he was Catholic. I mean, it's just like it's just ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. You know it. it I don't know. To me, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, like you said, love thy neighbor as thyself. I'm, I'm sure you can find those words in any religion, thoughts, processy in anybody's mind. Sure. Uh, uh, personal uh, story. Uh, the uh, the neighborhood I first grew up in was almost entirely Jewish, and we were one of the only Christian families. And uh, guess what? The neighbors were nice people. Uh, uh, I played with their kids. You know, our parents got along and had cookouts. Oh, it was in Baltimore. Um, we'd have these great crab feasts. I could go on about that, but I oh, it's some of the most delicious food. You sit there for two hours eating these Maryland crabs seasoned heavily with Old Bay. After a couple <laughs> hours, you got crab guts all up and down your forearm and everything. And uh <laughs> But okay, so so after that, uh, we moved, and uh, it was it was an all Christian neighborhood. But it seemed like everybody else was Catholic, and we were the only Protestants. And you know, I'm in elementary school, and kids are talking about CCD, CCD, and I'm oh, like, oh yeah, <laughs> that was a thing. Well, what in the world is that? And they're like, well yeah, we kind of got like church stuff and like religious school on Saturdays or whatever day of the week it was. I'm like, oh. We don't have that, and I I went to a, a, a couple Catholic services, and at a certain point, the priest breaks out in Latin, and I'm like, does anybody here understand a word he's saying? And and I certainly didn't understand it, but you know, there's a tradition there. Um, there's also uh, this is off subject, but there's a great power in using dead languages. Uh, that's what they use in law. That's what they use in medicine because the meanings of the words don't change because they aren't commonly used. Versus uh, languages that are heavily in use, the meaning of words changes over time, and so it's. It's too uh, slippery. Anyway, got a little bit off subject there, but the point is that uh, uh, the church looked very, very different. And yeah. like my Protestant church was all painted white inside, and we had these uh, pastel Easter color, uh, Easter color stained glass windows. You know, it's just this bright and airy thing, and it was quite a shock to uh, uh, to attend a Catholic church service. You know, and all the kneeling and standing up and sitting down. I didn't get it. Uh, because there wasn't any kneeling in my church, but again, we should. It's lose a the ritual, fort. like, and that's one thing about any type of 
religion, there's a, there's always a ritual. Whether you're even pagan, they have rituals. You sure. know, it, it's a belief and some it's a belief and something bigger than yourself. Yes, yes. Um, I have uh, one more pretty good quote here. Okay. Uh, this comes to us from uh, some guy named Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Um, I mean, not personally, but. <laughs> uh, this is from his, uh, uh, this is from his 1883 publication, Lectures and Biographical Sketches. And, uh, Ralph, like we're on a first name basis, but anyway, uh, uh, uh Emerson writes, quote, I do not find that the age or country makes the least difference. No, nor the language the actors spoke. Or the religion which they prefer, professed, whether Arab in the desert or Frenchman in the academy, I see that sensible men and conscientious men all over the world are of one religion. <laughs> and that's just, uh, I think that's probably pretty fitting for the subject of this podcast. And... It makes me think a little bit too about what you were saying about uh, uh, Norman Rockwell. Uh, that it it opens your mind to travel. Travel broadens the mind, and you see uh, different people in different places, hear well, different when languages. You start to, you under, when you start to understand other people, you realize you can't judge it on visualization. You can't judge a person, well, book by its you know, cover, you know, like, and that was the point of his painting was that these people were like people that lived around him in different areas of the world. And he would take their pictures and like there's you can look it up like he had their like the models. But these these people all had a backstory like there was a rabbi that was actually a Catholic priest, too. Like, I mean, oh, wow. was, I mean it, it, it goes on and on. And you'd never expect that. He's just saying that we're all one. We're, you know, just don't judge people. Right. I think a lot of that. um I think a lot of the judging, I could be wrong, this is just a suspicion, but uh, suppose you've never met anyone from Zanzibar, okay? Okay. Um, I couldn't find it on a map. I just know it's a country I've, I, I don't know anything about. But uh, <laughs> suppose you meet one person from Zanzibar. I think you, you, you become eager to know about the people of Zanzibar and that one person you met, there's a natural tendency to say, oh, okay, well, I guess all people in Zanzibar are like this. Exactly. Whether it's good or bad. If you meet a bad person from Zanzibar, you're like, oh, Zanzibar is a terrible place. Those people are jerks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're absolutely terrible. But like if you meet – I had a view of Boston that way. Like everybody was like super friendly. Like super friendly. I'm like, Boston's a nice place. But, you know, it's somebody else's perspective might have been different than mine. Right. And and I think it comes from just an eagerness to learn or to understand uh, what other cultures are like. And uh, it's I think it's a very easy mistake to make, you know, and I've well, seen it, also some it comes from justification. You're trying to justify in your mind like what had happened to you at that certain time 
And, you know, sometimes we speak out of turn and, you know, say something, you know, that it, 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 that shouldn't be said. Like, so those people from Zanzibar, okay, I met a real bad guy, so I'm going to trash talk him. I'm going to just, you know, say things. It, it, it doesn't do anybody good because you don't really know people there. You can't speak for all people. Of course You not. can't. You just right. can't. And I always, uh, uh, in my line of work, I, I I talk on the phone with 20, 25, 30 people. And, and if you had an email, it's twice that many or more okay. all over the country. And, uh, and, and you really find things that are in common among people. People want to be treated fairly. People want to be heard. And this is kind of a side note to our discussion, but in my interactions where I will never actually meet these people in person and, you know, I'm kind of an anonymous voice on the phone, but I, I remind myself that you never know when someone is having the worst day of their life. Exactly. Kind of, yeah, that's um, just kind of giving people the benefit of of the doubt, um, I think has helped me a lot. There was, I, I may have told this story before I was working with appraisers and, uh, appraiser calls up and says, I have to give back these five or six appraisal orders. I won't be able to do them for you. You got to find somebody else. And we hate to hear that, you know, um, it really interrupts the flow of business, their customer service issues. But this appraiser went on to tell me, he said, uh, you know, he's a middle-aged guy. He said, well, he said, I'm sorry to have to do this, but you see, uh, I'm at the hospital right now with my father, and uh, he doesn't have much longer. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's awful. So but you it, initially thought, like, oh, this well, is so much work for me. Well, uh, I – this well, interrupts my day. Well, but fortunately, you didn't understand I'm, the well, other fortunately, side. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough and mature enough to sort of hold my fire. Uh, because, because then the guy went on to say, uh, he said, yeah, it's kind of worse than that. My son is back in the hospital too, and it's not looking good for him either. Oh my God. I know. Just, uh, uh, most people, uh, I, I think live their entire lives without having a, a day or a week or a year that bad. And I just uh, I just would encourage our gentle listeners as you do interact and um, interact with people where the conversation is probably going to forever be anonymous. You know, just just take a moment and try to give people a little bit of latitude. You never know. When, and, and especially the last two years, you know, it's been very, very hard. And on the, the one thing, too, also is the one thing we do have control of is our responses. Oh yeah, that's uh, what we do have control of. That's uh, that's one of the if, if that's one good summary of Stoic philosophy is that you know you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you uh, react. Right, and uh, I think it's that was sort of adopted by uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Give me yes. the uh, strength to change what I can. Uh, and the humility. Give me the patience. Give me the patience to put up with things I cannot change, and give me the wisdom to know the difference between those two things. Um, things you can change and things you can't, and uh, I think that's why the writings of uh, uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, in particular, of, of the famous Stoic philosophers, I think why that has survived. And what's kind of nice about philosophy is that you don't 
have to believe um, um, anything, and, and you don't have to uh, utter phrases. You don't have to adhere to uh, um, this or that. It, it, um, especially Stoic philosophy keeps it so simple that it's really never, ever a point of contention. And that's a lot of the reason why I, uh, I enjoy philosophy so much. You know, Aristotle has his, his, his thoughts and words have traveled the world a thousand times, have been heard in probably almost every country in the world, you know, and probably the same of, uh, Socrates and Plato. I mean, people aren't gonna, fight to the death with you about who is a better philosopher because people that study philosophy just don't do that I don't think so um, so uh, uh, I, I also wanted to just touch on like oh, a yeah. small topic well not small but we have different religions beliefs faith systems among us and what if God, he or she, or however you, however you describe her, him, as, was living here on Earth. Mm. Would you act different? Mm. Would you straighten up your back? Mm. Or would you just ask questions? But what if he was, or he or she was just an average person? And you know what? Maybe he or she drops drops their bag. Everything spills out. No one helps her. And then, I don't know, Christians believe in, like, Judgment Day. So, hey, God was right in front of you. And you didn't help her pick up all the stuff from her bag. <laughs> or, you know, you tricked right. her. She fell. She or he broke, you know, broke his nose and you just kept walking. And as we had touched on before, but like, how, how would that be different? Can't you just treat everybody as that, as knowing that that's the person that you're looking up to and who will judge you and your judgment, it depends. I mean, it could be judgment. I mean, it, it depends on, you know, where you're coming from, what religion you're coming from. But it's like, help your neighbor. You don't know who he or she is. You don't. Right. It's a it's a very it's a very good feeling um, when you anonymously help somebody with no thought of reward or publicity that feeling that knowledge inside that you just yes. did something because it was the right thing to do because someone needed your help um it's a sort of thing that i mean um in our like like when you're going through a dark time right you can uh or you're questioning um if you're a good person or not you know it's a sort of thing that uh you can just sort of You've, you've, I guess, not paid it forward in a sense because it's not about economics, but uh, you do have that tendency inside of you to just want to help people. And uh, if you are one of the people who is not too old or too young or too sick um, to get by on your own, if if you're not one of those people, you know, keep those people in mind. They they're counting on you. And I think the idea of charity certainly uh, 
exists in in religions and uh, uh, helping out those who are less fortunate, you know, and that's the sort of thing that that brings people together. You know, when you do things that um, are just because they really are the right thing to do and, and you have no... Um, it, it, it creates to a collective energy of, of healing and, and knowing that you're not alone. Yes. Yes. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, uh, me too. Uh, gentle listeners, I, I hope you did too. Uh, we will be... Uh, back again sometime if you enjoyed this you know if you if you felt this was kind of a nice break uh from 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 the uh, 24-hour news cycle maybe you're doing laundry or or washing dishes or 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 on a long car drive and you happen to find this podcast uh thank you so much for your attention we have a limited amount of time on this world and uh, uh i i appreciate you uh, uh focusing your your attention on this and uh feel free to share with uh friends or family or maybe uh, do a little research on your own of something you heard about in this podcast today rayanne i can't thank you enough uh that's been great uh talking with you andy always a great time yeah 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 so um all right well uh i think we should probably uh i think that's probably the perfect place to leave it so uh Thanks once again for tuning into the Steel Plaza podcast and listening to Andy's Philosophy Corner. Uh, we appreciate your time and attention and support, uh, if that's, uh, if that's a possibility. So, um, thanks so much, everybody. Uh, take care, stay, stay safe and have a great week. Bye.